Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. Well, there was this little boy that was sitting under a farmer's apple tree. The father saw, uh, the farmer saw the little boy sitting there and he said, Hey, what are you trying to do? Steal an apple? Little boy said, no, sir. I'm trying not to. Man, temptation, it's real. I'm going to tell you, temptation is rough. It's, it's, It's raw. It is heavy. You guys ever have to deal with temptation? I mean, I do. Every day. You ever been tempted to doubt God? You ever been tempted to do things you shouldn't do? How about this one? You ever been... Tempted to not do something you should do? Moment of vulnerability. Moment of just telling you how the Lord always does the word in me before I ever get to preach it to you. This week, as I was preparing this message, I faced temptation like you would never believe in a way that you probably wouldn't believe. I'm not trying to brag to you or boast to you. I'm just trying to tell you how how serious this was. But This week has been probably one of my busiest weeks in a long time, and on top of that, I normally put in 30 hours preparing for these messages. I was about 26 hours into this preparation phase, and for this message alone, 26 hours into it, and I was on my face crying before God because I'm like, God, Sunday's coming, and it was still 9 o'clock yesterday morning. Well, the Lord really began to open this passage to me. 26 hours into it. So I was tempted, <laughs> let me tell you, whether you think I should do this or not, I'm just showing you how it affects my world to show you I need the same Jesus you do. I was tempted to ask somebody else to preach. I was tempted to go in my files and preach another message that I'd preached in another church that you've never heard of. I was tempted to not do what God has asked me to do this morning for you. So I just got down on my face and I prayed and then I got back in the chair and I worked. <laughs> and I'm thankful. I'm so thankful that the Lord gave me victory over that temptation because God's done a work in me in this message that I couldn't even imagine Him doing if I hadn't pushed through that. You see, the Lord gave me victory not from my temptation, but through it. He wasn't going to just say, there's your message. He had to take me through it. I had to battle and win through his faithfulness to me. I'm wondering today, would you like to experience victory over your temptations? Amen. Would you like to know how? I'd like to know how. Would you like to experience the power of God in such a real way over your temptation that you knew God was the one doing it? I do. So what I want to do is I want to take you to 1 Corinthians because that's where we're at. See, that's why I love preaching through books. Because see, if I get crazy and stupid and jump around, you'd be like, I thought we were supposed to be in verse 13. You See, this holds me accountable to do the hard work. I want to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 today, and I want to kind of touch on this subject of temptation, but I want to do it in such a way that you may not have ever heard before. And I just want to set you at ease. 
This is not going to be a message where I tell you all you're doing wrong in battling your temptation. You feel worse than you did when you leave here. That's not what the day is about. I want to teach you what the Lord has taught me in my heart after sitting with him for well around 40 hours meditating on one verse. And I want you to hear the Lord's heart in this message, not him trying to tell you you're blowing it. I want you to hear his love for you and his care for you, that he's made you an incredible, wonderful promise in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It is a majestic, glorious promise. So I wonder if you would stand to your feet with me as we look at the Word of God that's going to give us three incredible, incredible truths about how we can have triumph over temptation. Here's the Word of God. The Word of God says these words, no temptation. Say that with me. No temptation. How many temptations? Okay, just, just, just put your mind around this. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as what, church? Common to man. Now, here's the theme we've been singing about all morning. And God is what? Who's faithful? Now, we faithful in temptation, but is God faithful? Woo! God is faithful. Listen, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. That's a good place to say amen. And then it gets better, but with the temptation. (laughs) We'll provide the way of escape also. So that you will what? Be able to endure it. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, would you take your word today and bless us with victory over temptation? You may be seated. Last week, we saw that we are to take heed because when we think we've got this thing figured out, that's when we'll probably fall, Right? Last week was a hard message, amen? I felt like I'd walked in the principal's office and got a good old-fashioned whooping. (laughs) He wore me out with that message last week. Y'all think I get away with this? Mm -mm. He does it with me first, I'm telling you. So the Corinthians were probably wondering how to deal with all those temptations, right? With wrong words and and wrong worship and, and just wrong everything. I mean, we're just wrong everywhere, God. There's so much. How do we win over all this? So Paul writes an amazing, wonderful, majestic, and glorious promise about how to triumph over temptation. And and you've just got to, I'm preaching different today, and most of you are going to know that. You're going to, I don't know, let's change it up on us a little bit. It's going to feel that way. So so I'm building something, and you've got to stick with me to the end, okay? You just got to ride this out. Here's the first thing I want you to know, though, that we can understand the principle about temptation. We can understand the principle about temptation. So so, so watch this. Paul begins by saying something about temptation. That word there, temptation, is an interesting word. It means to entice to do wrong, to test, to attempt to cause to sin. It's the word parazo. You're going to say, why are you telling us a Greek word? That's so impressive. No, I want you to notice what I'm doing here. It's parazo, and it's in the passive voice, which means it's not something you do. It's something that happens to you. 
And it's not the first time, and that's where I want you to understand this word parajo. It's not the first time we've seen this word, although you don't know that you've seen it yet. Because the context and this word has come to us before. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 5 through 10, right, just, just right above this, the scripture says this. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. Now, these things happen as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they crave. Don't be idolaters, as some of the words, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play, nor let us act immorally, as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in one day. Here it comes. Nor let us parazzo. Nor let us temptation or test the Lord, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. In other words, they tried, or rather they tested Christ. This is the same word that's here. No temptation, no, no test has seized us. What I'm trying to tell you is, is one of the things that we need to understand about temptation, the principle we need to understand is that both testing and temptation come from the same root word. This means that our understanding of temptation is too limited. We often think of temptation as only being tempted, tempted sexually or to, to lie or to cheat or to steal. But we often don't think of temptation coming in terms of being tested with cancer or loss of a job are fearing for our lives. Again, looking to the immediate context, we see some things. So in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 5 through 10, and it'll come up on the screen behind me again, I want you to notice some things. Pay attention, because this is context. I don't understand the context. Nevertheless, right, most of them, God was not well pleased. They were laid low. These happened so that we wouldn't crave evil things as they craved. Don't be idolaters as some of them were, right? But now look in verse 8. Nor let us what? Act immorally. Verse 9, nor let us try the Lord. Verse 10, nor let us grumble. The Bible says that these things were written so that we wouldn't desire or crave evil. And it lists a few things about that, but I want you to zoom in because I'm trying to help you, church. <laughs> He says, here's some temptation stuff that's going to come your way. You're going to be tested with some things. One of them is definitely sexual immorality. He says that clearly. And boy, can we preach some messages on that. But then he says, you're also going to be tempted to try Christ. Then he says, you're also going to be tempted or tested to grumble. I want you to go back to 1 Corinthians 10, 13 for a moment and then I'm going to take you to the context where the context came from. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation has overtaken you, but is common to man. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond your able, right? But with the temptation will provide the way of escape so that you may be able to endure it. No temptation, no test, no, no temptation, no test has overtaken you. So, so what were the tests, what were the temptations that he's talking about? 
What were the tests? How did they try Christ? How were they tempted with this idea of grumbling? I mean, what, what really is going on here? Well, let's go back to Exodus chapter 17, verses 2 through 7. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? And why do you test that that's our word? Why do you tempt? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water and they grumbled there. There's that word against Moses and said, why now have you brought us up from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out and said, what shall I do with these people? A little more and they'll stone me. Then the Lord said to Moses, pass before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand your staff with which you struck the Nile and go. Behold, I will stand before you there at the rock of Horeb and shall strike the rock. You better strike that rock and water will come out of it that my people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel and he named the place Massah and Meribah because of the quarrel of the sons of Israel because they what? They, they tested, there's our wording, and tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord not among us? Notice the words, water, testing the Lord twice, and grumbling. So what was the temptation? What was the test they were facing? They were grumbling that they didn't have water, and here's what happened. That led them to test the Lord by saying, to tempt the Lord by saying that God couldn't provide what they needed. So let's go back and apply this to 1 Corinthians 10, 13, because that's what Paul wants us to do. There will be temptation. You, you had better rest assured, there will be temptation towards sexual immorality. It's going to happen. It is everywhere in our culture. Almost every commercial is filled with it now. That's huge. But here, here's what I want you to lean in. I want you to pay attention to me because I want to help expand, expand your, your concept of temptation. Because we will also be tempted toward anger with God. And then that'll turn into fear concerning God that he won't provide for us. We too may be tempted that God won't provide enough water. All of us are in a drought. Is God going to provide water? You will be tempted with that. I promise it's going to happen. For some farmer out there, you're going to be tempted to believe that God can't be trusted to provide water for you. Provisions, clothing. Some of you are being tempted right now that God can't even provide a job for you. Medicine for your spouse, it's, it's so expensive. Is God going to take care of me to meet the need to get the medicine that I need? A house? Some of us in the room are tempted that, God, I'm 30-some years old, and you're not going to meet the need of a spouse in my life? You're going to be tempted. And then you're going to be tempted to grumble. Because God isn't making it happen. Let's keep trying to understand the principle at play here. God has told the people, he's told them to go and take possession of the promised land. And they went and spied it out and they came back over their port that they're giants in them dar heels. And some of them are like, 
hey, we can go take it. And someone's like, no, we better not take it. We're going to get took. So Numbers chapter 13, verses 30 and 31, and Numbers chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely what? We'll surely overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able. And that's just how I think they, they spoke. <laughs> we're not able to go up and against the people, for they are what? Too strong for us. Chapter 14, then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night, and all the sons of Israel grumbled, there it is again, against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, would that we have died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness? Here's, mm, 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 mm. listen carefully, because here is a test or a temptation that's going to probably come your way and my way. We are going to be tested or tempted to believe that the pain of obedience is not worth it. That the pain of obeying what God has said is just not worth it. It's too high of a cost. I mean, if we do what you said, God, those giants are going to kill us. You can be tempted to believe that. There was danger from their enemies. There was much hardship involved. And their adversaries were everywhere, much bigger than they were. They were more than able to conquer. But, but some of them said no. And they, they grumbled and said, man, we should have just died in Egypt. Thanks for bringing us out here. The danger of their enemies and the possible pain involved with obeying God was the temptation they were facing. That was the test they were facing. This is contextually what Paul is talking about here. So he goes back and uses this Old Testament reference. He doesn't want us to miss what he's teaching. So let's keep trying to understand this principle. What is the testing? What is the temptation? It's anything. It's anything that would lure you from trusting the Lord. It's anything that would lure you into believing that, that God disappoints people or cause you to walk away from following him because you believe that God doesn't hear you and God doesn't provide for you. You've been asking for years and it still hasn't happened. And that's going to be your test. That's going to be the temptation that comes your way is to say God isn't faithful. Temptation is really a test of your faith. When you and I are tempted, our faith in God, our trust in God, our treasure being only in God, simply just being satisfied in Jesus, all that is being tested. So here's what I want you to know. Just two quick things that kind of come out of this that, that jump off the text to me, and, and that is this, that temptations try to pull us away from God with the pleasures that are involved. And when, when you get tempted, it's because... Temptation says that whatever is out here is better than what God has already said. It's going to involve some pleasure. It's going to involve something. And it's going to try to pull you away from God with the pleasure that's involved. And then secondly, I want you to see this, that tests try to push us away from God because of the pain involved. So God, I mean, this is what you're calling me to do. I mean, this is what you're asking me to do. That's just too much. And so it just tempts to push you away from God because there's too much pain. It's just too high of a cost to do that. At their core, tests are temptations not to trust God. I mean, think about this. 
If you don't think, if you're an Israelite and you don't think you'll have enough water, you'll be tempted to trust that God's not going to give you water. I mean, if you're facing a huge enemy, if there's, there's giants in, in that land, you're going to be tempted to believe that God won't protect you or that it's just too hard and it may cost you your life. So why should you ever trust God? I mean, that's what it's, this is about. You have to understand this about temptation. It's not just temptations to get into sin. It's really temptations not to trust God. That's what I'm wanting you to understand today. It's really about can God be trusted? He can be. You know, baboons, they're inquisitive creatures. Y'all know that. In order to catch one in the Kalahari Desert, the Bushmen, they dig a hole in a rock big enough for a baboon's hand to pass through it while it's extended. But he does this. He digs this hole while a baboon is watching, knowing that the baboon is curious. And while the baboon is watching him put this hole in this rock, he drops some nuts down in there so that the baboon can see it. When the man leaves, the baboon is so curious, he goes up to the hole in the rock and he sticks his hand in it and he grabs a hole of the nuts that are there. And then guess what? He can't get his hand out. (laughs) So the bushman comes and captures him because listen, as much as the baboon wants to escape, he will not let go of what's in his hand because he wants what's in his hand more than he wants his own life. And that's what you and I will face. Temptation will lead your heart away to something that looks better than what God has already provided. And then it will come alongside of you and say, man, if you choose to do what God's asked you to do, it's going to cost you too much. That's the principle. We can understand the principle about temptation. Secondly, here's what I want you to see. We can use the power over temptation. We can use the power over temptation. I want you to see something so beautiful. I don't want you to miss something so amazing in this verse. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Here it comes on the screen. I want you to look there. I want you to see this. No temptation is overtaking you, but what is common to man, but what? What, is it? what does the Bible say? God is what, church? God is faithful. <laughs> he won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. Do you hear that? that that's glorious. That, that's amazing. That's so majestic. God is faithful. Now, that's a good place to say what? Amen. God is faithful. But then it says he won't let you be tempted beyond what you're able. Here's something amazing. Listen carefully. Listen to the sound of my voice. Please heed the scriptures speaking to you, the God of this universe speaking to your heart. Listen carefully. You and I are not left on our own willpower to face temptation. You and I are not left without God's supernatural help to do this. This means that I'm not left to my own ability apart from the faithful help of God. This means that God, he doesn't just provide a means of escape and then I'm left on my own to figure out what it is and then I'm left on my own to even get there. This is praiseworthy. This is so encouraging. God just doesn't lead me to the door of escape and say, hey, I led you to the door. Now it's up to you and your own discipline to kind of get through it. (laughs) It's not it. And that would be good if he just said, hey, there's the door. I mean, I'll take that. But But it's better than that. Because God isn't just doing something on the outside to get me to the door. He's doing something on the inside. 
He's not just preventing something coming to us as temptation and saying, eh, I'm going to kind of limit that. That's, he's doing that, but that's not all he's doing. He's doing something inside of us that empowers us to endure the temptation. Scripture has so much to say about God being faithful to do something in us. Paul's already spoken about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. It says this, who will confirm you to the end. Did you hear that? God's faithful to do that. Blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus, God is what? Faithful, through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The Lord says, I'm going to sustain you all the way to the end. I'm going to see that you're blameless all the way to the end. I've called you into fellowship with my son, and I am faithful to make sure that on that day you are blameless. What? Whether or not I give in to temptation or not. What? Yeah. Romans 8.30. Who will also confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus. God is faithful, right? What does Romans 8.30 say? Somebody read it. What does it say? Read it. Get out of here. Here's what it tells me. Nobody falls out of this thing called Christianity between the time he calls you to faith and the time he glorifies you. Nobody falls out. And it's not because of your willpower. It's not because of your discipline. It's because of God's faithfulness. Do you, do you not see how faithful he is in the midst between the time I was saved and the time I get glorified? Do you know how sinful I am? I'm not faithful, but, but he is. Amen. Philippians 1.6, it says this, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will do what? perfected until the day of Jesus. He's at work in us. He's not only standing there to prevent us from temptations that we can't handle in our own willpower, but he's also working in us. He is faithful to do the work in you that when temptation comes, you can trust him. He's doing that work in you. First Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you what? Entirely. May your spirit and soul and body be preserved what? Complete. Without blame, but the coming, what does it, it say? Faithful is who? Who calls you and he will bring it to pass. Sanctification has to do with the work that God's doing in us. He is faithful to do that work. He will surely do it. He's going to bring that work to pass in you. No matter how you're dealing with temptation, he's still going to be sanctifying you in it. Do you not see what a glorious promise this is? Do you see what I'm trying to get you to do today, church? Listen to me. When you are in the battle against temptation and you feel like you are a complete, just lawless, just complete sinner, and you've just lost all trust in God because the temptations come and you just keep sinning over and over and over again. Today, get your eyes off yourself and put them on King Jesus. He is faithful to you. And your identity is found in him, not in your sin. Can you, can you see what he's doing here? He is faithful. He is faithful. Luke 22, 31 through 34, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has determined, demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but, but, but I have what? I pray for you that your faith won't what? 
And, and listen, when I pray, something happens because I know you're going to turn again and then you're going to strengthen your brothers. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison and to death with you. Temptation, <laughs> Peter. And he said to you, Peter, I'm so sovereign over your temptation, I even know how many times it's going to come to you. Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you've denied me three times. Peter, temptation is coming. Gatest is coming. But your faith won't fail. Did you hear that? Do you, do you see that, church? He's not leaving Peter to battle the temptation on his own. Jesus Christ pay, prays for Peter in the battle of temptation. And Jesus Christ is praying for you when you are battling temptation as well. Do you not see how faithful he is? He's not up there saying, why can't you just figure this thing out? I mean, why can't you just use more spiritual discipline and just listen to all the messages and just be victorious over temptation? That is not your Jesus because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. When you're facing temptation, he's like, hey, can you guys figure it out? No, he's on his knees saying, oh, Lord God, can we help them? This will flip your mind about what's happening in temptation and the God that you have for you. Because listen to me, law motivates you to fail in temptation, but grace will give you the victory over it. I'm trying to tell you from my heart to your heart, this is the deep truth that God was working in me to help correct my own stinking thinking. This is why this has been so hard, because I have been trained a certain way. If you just stand up, if you just turn away from temptation, if you just memorize more verses, if you just go to church, if you just fast, if I, if I, if I, if I, and I always fail, but God never does. And that says to me, then out of this love, then I don't want to do any more of that temptation stuff, because you love me and you're faithful. That's where the victory's at. Man, we got to go, but I got to move on. I got more, but I'm going to cut some out, so y'all stick with me. I'm going to A, B, and C. God is so faithful, he's not going to let you be tempted beyond what you're able. He's able when you're not. Because of special grace, I have power to overcome temptation. This is grace at work. Do you see, the, see what a work of grace this is? It's not how messed up you are, but how awesome I am, God says. Because of the Spirit of God, I have the power to overcome temptation. Because the Spirit of God sanctifying me. It's called the Holy Spirit making me holy. And because of the strength of God, I have the power to overcome temptation. When I'm weak, he is strong. When I don't have the power to overcome temptation, guess who does? He does. We got to move quickly. Y'all okay? Everybody all right? You sure? Because this just gets better. So hang on. I know, I know you want lunch. That's your temptation right now. <laughs> a man was carrying a heavy load of grain down a country road. And sweat was dripping from his brow, and his shirt was just soaked with sweat, and the dusty air was starting now to collect upon his face and his brow and his shirt, and the scorching sun was now burning his skin. And just at that moment, a man passed, passed him by with a wagon, noticed his struggle, and noticed that the pack of, that he had on his shoulder weighed at least 100 pounds. And so he stopped, and he said, hey... Hey, man, I'd love to give you a ride. Come on in. So the, the tired man carrying that heavy sack of grain, sun-soaked and just drenched in sweat, climbs up and sits in the passenger seat in this wagon, and he still has the grain on his shoulder. 
And the driver turns to him and says, man, why don't you put that thing down and relax? And the man replied, he says, no, it's, it's, it's enough just to have you carry me without you also having to carry the load too. I want you to know today, guys, that, that, that God sees you in your struggle with temptation and he comes and says, hey, I can help. And I'll provide a way of escape for you, right? I'll, I'll, I'll give you some relief. But I also want to take the load off too. I'm not just going to show you the way out of this. I'm going to work in you to take it away, to, to help you overcome it. So all I have to do is just yield myself to his power. So I can understand the principle about temptation. I can use the power of a temptation. And then thirdly, lastly, very quickly, we can undergo the provision through temptation. Did you hear how that's worded? Please, please pay attention. An hour is trying to craft these sentences for you. We can undergo the provision through temptation. Because that's what the text says. Beloved, no temptation and no test will lead us from God. That's what he's saying, because God is faithful. Pay attention. Listen to me carefully. Dealing with cancer, dealing with the loss of a job, financial crises that come in your life, disappointments with the way your children behave, the loss of a spouse, having to care for a spouse who is sick, anything, anything that threatens your faith, listen, God will not allow you to be tested beyond your ability, but he will do something with it that's simply amazing. Because he is at work in us, therefore we can go through whatever it is we face. If God wasn't at work in me, I couldn't go through anything. But he's at work in me, and that empowers me to endure, to go through the temptation. Here's what we've often thought. God will provide a way of escape so that we can get out of it. No, God's saying, I'm going to give you the strength to get through it. We often claim this verse to say, listen, God, get me out of temptation. God's not going to get you out of it. He's going to get you through it. And here's the problem. When we misinterpret Scripture, that's why we don't see the victory. And we stand there praying, oh, God, oh, God, get me out of this temptation. God said, that ain't what I promised. And then we say, well, I prayed, and God hadn't delivered me from it. That's not what he promised. That's why you're experiencing failure, because you misinterpreted the Scripture. God said, I'm not going to keep it from coming to you. I'm going to get you through it. Just making any sense? You're beginning to understand what, what God's really trying to say here? 1 Corinthians 10, 13, listen to it. No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape. What is the way of escape? That you'll be able to endure it. That's how you're going to escape temptation is you're going to get through it. And when you get through it, it hasn't robbed you of your faith. That's what he's saying. When you get through the temptation with his faithfulness inside of you, you will trust God more, not less. So focus on the phrase, with the temptation, it will provide a way of escape, right? That you may be able to endure it. What does it mean to provide a way of escape so that we can endure? Well, the text says that no temptation has overtaken you. It's not overtaking you. Notice that it doesn't say no temptation has just come to you. It doesn't say that no temptation just happened to you or has been experienced by you. No, it says no temptation has overtaken you. That word means to take hold of, to seize. In my mind, it's, it's like being abducted by temptation. 
It's like being snatched away by temptation and being taken hostage. You see, when you experience hardships or allurements or, or tests of your faith or deep temptations of sin, it feels like you've been overtaken. You all know the feeling. You all know it's like, man, somebody come and put a, put a just mask over your head and says, you're going with us and you're fearful for what's going to happen. That's what he means. And then we begin to doubt God's goodness and we begin to see the deceitful pleasures of sin. And this is why we need an escape. See, if you're not taken hostage by temptation, you don't need an escape. If God was just going to take you out of it, you wouldn't need an escape through it. He says that this stuff is common to man. That's one word in in the Greek. It literally means human. (laughs) We're always going to have to deal on this side of heaven with temptation. But can I promise you that there's nothing new? As my old preaching professor used to say, he would say it this way, Satan, this world, and flesh have no new things to throw at us. It's always going to be the same things just repackaged. In other words, there's nothing that Satan can take down in the kitchen of hell and cook up, especially for you that you have never seen or mankind has never seen before. It's going to just be the same old meal, just produces leftovers, and he just throws a bunch of new stuff, you think, in the pot, but it's just the same leftovers. There's nothing new coming your way. It's common. Everybody's experienced what you've experienced. You you don't have some new temptation that, man, if you just knew what I was dealing with, you'd pray for me. No, I know what you're dealing with. It's common to us all, but then it says God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. Did you catch that? Did, 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 Did you catch that? God will not allow something. Did you see that? This is crazy. This is mind-blowing, inconceivable, overwhelming, massive sovereignty. God is sovereign even over your temptation. This is crazy. He won't allow any temptation or any test to come to you that he doesn't want to come to you. God is in control of every situation in your life. And even though Satan comes to us, and even though the world hurls things at us, and even though your flesh entices us, it's all been limited and filtered through the precious hand of God. Jesus never lets your temptation get out of hand or out of his hand. So how does this get even better? Well, it says he will provide a way of escape so that you'll be able to endure it. You see, I don't escape the temptation unless, unless how could I endure them if, if I'm going to escape? So this means there's a way of escape so that I can endure. So listen to me. Escaping from temptation doesn't always mean that you're going to get out of it. It means that God's going to get you through it. So so. Where do I get this interpretation? Because I'm looking at the counsel of God's word. 1 Peter 2, 19. For this finds favor. That's the word grace. For this finds grace. If for the sake of conscience towards God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. Notice it says that a person bears up or endures when or while they're suffering. The text says that while we suffer, if we endure, that is an act of God's grace. This finds favor. This is a gracious work of grace or the evidence of God's grace that if while we're going through something painful, we endure. That's God's grace at work. This enduring means being mindful of God, thinking about God, trusting in God's goodness in the time of suffering. And if you do that, 
That means you get through it. 2 Timothy 3, 10, 11, now you follow my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and suffering. Such as happened to be at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, not escaped from, but endured, and out of them all the Lord did what? He provided a way of escape. This is interesting. Paul says the sufferings, the persecutions I endured, yet out of them all the Lord rescued me. This means that what happened in all these places is that they didn't kill him. They may have stoned him. They may have beat him. They may have persecuted him. But God rescued him through that. God didn't prevent it from happening. God blessed him through the suffering. 2 Timothy 4, 16 and 18. At my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me and may not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and did what? Strengthened me so that through me the proclamation may be fully accomplished that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. We would pray, God, don't put me in the lion's mouth. But God said, I'm going to get you out of the lion's mouth. I'm not going to prevent it from happening to you. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom and to him be the glory forever and ever. He says, man, the Lord stood by me and did something in me and rescued me from the lion's mouth. That was probably a reference to the Colosseum and being fed to lions, but it also could refer to Satan walking around like a a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Either way, the Lord would rescue him from the evil deeds. That's the way of escape. He's got to go through it, and then the Lord brings you through this. He will rescue you. Escape, escape, escape is in the endurance. It's in the endurance. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man, and God is faithful and not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation, provide the way of escape so that you'll be able to endure it. God will provide a way of escape that you'll be able to endure every temptation. When you think of the word escape, think endurance. Grace is given me when I move through my temptation, not when God takes me out of it. This leads me to these final thoughts. You can endure temptation while God wills it to be there. You can endure it. If God wills it, you can endure it because he's faithful in it. Does this make sense? You can endure it. I'm telling you, you can endure every temptation that comes your way. So instead of praying, God, get me out of this, oh, God, would you be manifestly present in this with me? But I'm claiming the promise or yes and amen that you are in this with me. And then secondly, you can exit temptation when God wills it not to be there. Because he's in control over your temptation. He says when it comes, he says when it's done. Satan has no power over that. God is massively in control. We don't always escape from temptation, but we can endure it because God makes us able. I don't know if you've ever seen what ants do. I've been watching ants in my little parking lot driveway, whatever you call that thing at the house. And man, there's this crevice in my driveway where, where the ants don't know what to do. They can't really get over it. They can't, they can't really get around it. They, they don't know really what to do. And I've been watching them for a couple of days. And there's something I noticed. The ants are so smart. They go get a little twig 
and they put it over top of it, and then they crawl from one side and on the little stick to get to the other side, and then they just move the stick. Like, these things are sneaking. They're awesome. And it was in that moment, man, that the Lord just shared with me, Steve, I'm not going to lead you to a place. And then you say, this is too big for me. And I can't really get through this. This temptation is just so crazy. God says, no, here's what I'm going to do, Steve. Is in Jesus Christ, I'm going to provide you with a stick. And you're going to trust him and walk through him and hang on to him. And he's going to get you to the other side. And then you just keep moving the stick wherever you go because Jesus is going to be faithful. See, while you're enduring the test, the, the temptation to fear, the temptation to doubt God, to be angry at God, those sinful desires, while that's going on, Jesus will be faithful to provide you everything you need. And we can understand the principle about temptation, use the power over it and undergo the provision through it. Oscar, if you guys would come. And you know, I'm not trying to make much of me. This is just football season, and so I think football. And if you're not a football person, I'm sorry. But I used to play a little football. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of my injuries today, the reason I'm short, I used to be six foot. <laughs> but as a running back and as a linebacker, I got compacted, okay? That's just what happened. But man, I've shed a lot of blood on the football field. I've been knocked completely out more times than you can imagine. I've suffered broken bones. I've had it all happen. And, and man, I've, I've shed a lot of skin on the football field, cleats ripping my arms wide open. I've cried a whole lot on the field over losses, over pain. Man, I, we worked hard, we hit hard, and we endured a lot of pain. Why? Why do we do that? Listen, here's the simple explanation. Those of you who don't really know about football, we take a balloon covered with leather, and our goal is just to get it across a white line on a grass field. That's all we're doing. A balloon covered with leather to get it across a white line on a field. And when you do that, everybody in the stands goes crazy. So on the one side, you got this field, and so we're headed this way, and there's this group of guys on the other side, and they're trying to go this way. And here's what happens. The group of guys on the other side are trying to prevent you from getting across the white line. And so here's what they do. They make fun of your mama. They call you names. They, they carry salt in their, their, their pads, and they throw it in your eyes. They spit on you. I mean, they're doing everything they possibly can to keep you from getting that ball across that white line. And then there's this group on the other side of us, and we're pushing, and we're shoving, and we're holding, and we're tripping, and, and we're trying to break bones, and we're doing anything we can to get them out of the way so that we can get the ball across the line. Now, that's a redneck version of football. Right there. That's all that's happening. So, so what if somebody said, man, why do we got to go through all that junk? That just sounds horrible. Why would we do that? Here's what we're going to do. The Grange football team says, hey, I tell you what, I know we won't get the ball across the line without all that. We're going to meet up at the field at 2 a.m. tomorrow morning. And we'll be able to take that ball across that white line as many times as we want to. That just solves it all. So at 2 a.m., the Grange football team takes the ball across the line 100 times. Woo, man, they party out there. Woo, we won. It's amazing. And everybody think they were stupid. You didn't win anything. You know why? Because if there's no opposition, there's no victory. So a lot of people ask the question, why does God allow us to even go through temptation to begin with? 
Because here's the secret, folks. I need you to understand this. I told you I was headed somewhere. I've said all that to say this. I've taken you this far, kept you long for this, because you have to hear this. God has not called us to a life of ease, but he's called us to a life of victory in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says these words, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Your temptation has never been about you. Your temptation has always been that you would see the glory of God in Jesus Christ. So get your eyes off of your own self and your own temptation and put them on the king because he has a majestic, glorious name. Jesus is faithful, amen? And you can endure because it's him at work in you. Would you stand? Mm -hmm.